1: everything. I think I felt like if it's just tennis and I could just win, then everyone's happy. My parents are happy. My coaches are happy. I'm happy. And I just put so much on the result of the game that I like lost touch of the journey. And also just that like the happiness is the journey of it. If I were to look back at like young Hannah, I put so much pressure on myself in like 12 and unders to like be top five in the East and like 14 and unders. Everything was about winning. I had to win every point. But then when you didn't win, you had nothing. Hey
0: everybody and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to RealPod, everybody. I am hyped because our guest today is literally as real as it gets. Joining us is Hannah Burner. For those of you who don't know Hannah, she was born in Brooklyn, New York. She grew up playing competitive tennis professionally and also at the Division 1 level for the University of Wisconsin, Go Badgers. She emerged on the comedy scene by directing, editing, and acting in videos that went viral on social media. She hosts a podcast called Burning in Hell that has over 3 million downloads, and I was actually just on it last week, so go check that out if you have not already. And Hannah is currently an official cast member of Summer House on Bravo. I love this combo. Let's get right to it. Before we do, I want to give a shout-out to Clara, who left such a kind review on iTunes She said, so inclusive, gave RealPod five stars. This podcast has made me feel okay with having feelings no matter how big or small. Victoria is a person I strive to be like, confident, inclusive, welcoming, overall fun to be around. On good and bad days, RealPod has brought me peace with myself. Clara, I love this. Thank you so much for this review. It literally made my whole morning to read this. For those of you who are enjoying the podcast and have yet to leave a review, you can do so on iTunes. It takes less than 20 seconds to leave a rating and a review, and I would love to hear from you. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you have not already so that you get that automatic download every single Wednesday when new episodes come out. All right, without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Hannah Berner. Hannah! Hannah! Thank you so much for coming on RealPod. I'm hyped. I actually feel like we have so much in common. I think that burning in hell is like the R-rated version of RealPod, to be honest. wait I love that for us because I was reading your bio and you were like you think a lot of people have these demons and you wanted them to come on and kind of kind of reveal what those were and my show is similar it's like everyone seems to have these fewer f-bombs yeah well no you can totally be yourself and drop your f-bombs but yeah exactly my show is like very similar but totally
1: different I'm so happy you just got on my podcast burning in hell and you opened up about some of your dark shit and I appreciate it so much and now I'm ready to just you know, let out all my demons. Yeah. I'm excited.
0: Actually talking to you earlier, I was thinking, I don't think you're like the best person to interview because I truly don't think I could say something that would like upset you or you would not answer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. I do some of these like talk show stuff where they're like, you know, drink if you don't answer the question. I'm like, well, I'm going to be sober the rest of my life because I can't stop talking. (laughs) But I really feel like you talk about what brings you joy and I I really feel like I was given this kind of lack of filter to speak on things that maybe other people are afraid to talk on. So that's how I convinced myself that I'm not like too annoying, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, you're not annoying, first of all, but have you
1: always had no filter or did it come with growing up? I always was goofy and silly and outgoing, but I do think as a tennis player, a lot of that was suppressed as I like got better and things got more serious because for tennis, like you really have to be a robot and no one cares if you have like funny insights on things or like, (laughs) I really think that I, I overthinking was an issue for me, but it's great for my comedy. The fact that like while I'm talking to someone, I can think of like six different reactions or jokes or things I want to say, where in tennis, you just have to be like really focused, not know what's going on around you. And that wasn't my strong suit.
0: Yeah. Wait, I want to, I'm so excited because First of all, with my show, I'll say things like we have on athletes, entrepreneurs and celebrities. And I mean, the celebrity <laughs> component, that's just like for glam effect. But I've only had on like maybe one or two. But you, I'm putting in the celebrity category. Like when we booked oh. the interview, I was like, great. We have a celeb here amongst our mitts. And then I saw that you also played D1 tennis at
1: Wisconsin. So I was like, OK, but she's also an athlete. <laughs> Look, I don't let any bitch put me in a box. That's how I play the game. I feel like if you think of something you want to be. It's great for manifesting, but never like limit yourself because I feel like I couldn't have ever guessed that I would become this. It's more like just keeping your authentic self and like don't try to fit into any kind of expectation that people might want of you or what people have done before. I love that. So you're saying when you played tennis competitively,
0: you felt like you did have to suppress some of who you are, which I relate to. Yeah.
1: I mean, I do think that when I joined a team like I was great at getting everyone pumped up I love doing the speeches I could make my doubles partner laugh at any point and she was like one of the more like she could get really down on herself and I just would like say something really silly and she'd play so well and we were put together because we had that chemistry Um, but I also remember being in the gym once and being told Hannah if you giggle you have to do laps until we tell you to stop and I remember like I'm a nervous giggler and I love giggling I have another podcast called Giggly Squad for a reason. And I remember, like, if I'm not giggling, I'm going to be crying. I don't want to be here at 6 a.m. right now. And I remember, like, I did something and I giggled again. He's like, Burner, start running. And I remember thinking, like, there's some fucked up shit in this moment. Because, like, I could be doing a lot of worse things than, like, giggling in the line to go do push-ups, you know? So I always just felt like a little bit of an outsider in the athlete world, especially tennis. I just feel like sometimes just because you're super athletic or super good at something doesn't mean it's necessarily what brings you joy. And I'm not about to come here and be like... Hating on tennis and stuff because tennis was my life when I was, you know, fourteen years old. I was ranked top fifteen in the nation, and my only dream in life was to become professional. And then, like you evolve, and you just realize, like, oh wait. When I was twenty two, I was like, I could go on tour, but I think I'd be lonely and unhappy, and it's very difficult to go pro like solo. I don't have a team that's sponsoring you or paying for your travel. And I was like, who am I trying to prove? Who do I need to prove that I can go on tour? My favorite part of that is
0: how you said, you don't have to do something just because you're good at it. And that's really tough for people to
1: swallow. Our society is based on like, who's good at what. And like from a young age, I showed like a lot of prowess in sports. I was just crazy athletic, very competitive. But like, I didn't like the competition that much. Like I'm very competitive, but I just... My favorite days were training. When it was match day, that was like judgment day to me. And it was based on experiences with coaches and stuff. But like, when I lost, it just life was terrible. When I lost, I hated myself. When I lost, I get really low. And then my I win, I get really high. And I was just on this roller coaster. And really, I started to just not even get a high from winning anymore. And it was just like, don't lose. And that's not a way to live any part of your life. So yeah, because you're not even enjoying the high moments. So
0: what was your experience overall like as a student athlete, when you think back What does it sum up to?
1: Well, I first want to say I feel so fortunate that I got a full ride to University of Wisconsin. I fucking love Madison, Madtown. It's such an amazing, like, academic and sports school. You kind of can feel like sheep, though, because I was in a situation where my coach was putting a lot of pressure on me. Like, he kind of led through fear a little bit. Like, if you're late, you could lose your scholarship. If you're not playing well, you could lose your scholarship. It was all about losing your scholarship. And in my head, like, I don't get motivated by fear very well because I'm fucking scared enough myself I actually do best with like coaches who are super laid back because they know I'm I will always push myself like way beyond I don't need an extra layer of pressure and um I felt like I I just put so much pressure on myself because not only it was for me anymore but it was also for the team and then I also hated the feeling of the first day of practice you'd get a calendar for the next like what nine ten months and you have every single day planned out for you. And it gave me the worst anxiety. I felt like I was in jail. I realize now it's because I'm a very, like, I hate authority. I'm a very, like, self-driven person. And I just hated, oh, I hated authority so much. And at the time, it's bad. But then you put me in my situation right now, which is, like, entrepreneur, podcaster, comedian, and people are like, yes, it's great she's bad with authority because she's so good at running her own business. So it's just, like, where you are in life. And those rules are just like indicative to those environments.
0: If you're playing division one, like I don't know any division one team that doesn't have that what you exactly just described, because yes. all those teams are pretty much competing for the national championship. And it actually yes. falls back on the coaches jobs and like them providing for their families for you to
1: play well. Back then coaches could get away with a lot more stuff. And I when I said back then, I mean, I graduated in 2014, but there was obviously like times where I remember I was pushing myself so hard physically and I was considered like one of the fittest girls on the team. And I remember once doing a relay and I was just winning, winning, winning. And I finally just like couldn't do it. Like I started a race and I just like couldn't get myself to push myself. My coach is like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, because no matter how hard I run and how many races I win, I still can't hit a forehand right now. Because I was dealing with mental issues on the tennis court." And back then, I don't think people were as aware of like, I just thought I was crazy. It's like, it's like an ex-boyfriend who just gaslights you. And they're like, you're just crazy. It's like, no, 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 I'm crazy. Because like, I've dealt with abuse on the court. I've dealt with like, coach abuse. I've dealt with my own anxiety and depression with it. And next thing you know, you have a girl on the court who can't perform her best because her mind is not in the right place. But it was always like, then run harder, then wake up earlier, then eat healthier. And it's like, I was dealing with the worst fucking anxiety, but because I was like crazy competitive, I kept, I'd win a lot. I love
0: learning new things and working hard to master whatever it is in my life that I'm currently up to. And with Skillshare, you can find classes that pique your interest and empower you to accomplish real growth. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. Skillshare has a huge portal of online classes where you can search just about anything and immediately take a class on it. I just took a class called Find Your Style, Five Exercises to Unlock Your Creative Identity, and it was unbelievably eye-opening for my work as a creative and also as a person. The teacher of the class was Andy J. Pizza, and he led me through exercises where I unpacked my identity, influences, and experiences to find my own personal taste and style. There are tons of classes out there, whether you are interested in photography, productivity, marketing, entrepreneurship, and Skillshare is also incredibly affordable when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. I mean, an annual Skillshare subscription is less than $10 a month, not to mention special offer. You guys can have a free trial of the premium membership if you head to Skillshare.com RealPod. That's Skillshare.com slash RealPod, and you can access your free trial of the premium membership today. Hey guys, it's me, Chriselle Lim, co founder and CMO of Boomo. As a busy working parent myself, I felt like there was a lack of options for parents, and I personally needed more support. So that's what we're doing here on Being Boomo. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. So subscribe now to Being boomo at applepodcast.com slash boomo or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, gotta go. See you guys soon. You shared this with me earlier about having the yips with your overhand. Yeah, I'm the surf. Yip queen. I want to literally break down this because I have not had someone on who was like open to talking about this. And I think it happens to a lot of athletes. Explain the process. It's like you, no matter how hard you try to do this
1: technique, you can't. I'll tell you exactly how it happened. My freshman year ended up by the end of the year, I was playing one a couple times, but I was like top on the team. The senior who had been like playing one with me graduated. And my coach was basically like, we're getting two new freshmen who are really good and they're going to take your spot if you don't step it up. So immediately in your head is like, oh, no, I don't want my spot to be taken, which you understand. And I actually stayed that summer to train, which in th- I should have left to like get a little break but I like stayed to train and I remember I was doing work with um, a new coach and she was like, if you want to get to the next level, you really have to get your kick serve better. So a kick serve, a second serve, a kick serve is just like really like way more spin where I was hitting like a quasi kick slice second serve for anyone who knows tennis. So I'm like, I had to change my grip a little and your second serve needs to be your bread and butter. It needs to go in every time because if you miss it, you lose the point. So I start doing it and I'm like okay at it and she tells me a story and she's like you know I was when I was playing like I lost my second serve at one point like it was so okay this is like the
0: cardinal sin what
1: you're not supposed to say to someone. (laughs) She she literally was like I lost my second serve and I could never hit it so it's important that you gain a lot of confidence in this second serve. From that moment that little fucking seed planted itself in my head because part of anxiety is thinking like what's the worst thing that can happen and I remember like thinking like I, I played a tie break with someone and I like shanked it and I was like oh no what if I just keep shanking my second serve and then I just like kept shanking it and then all I thought about was my second serve all day long that's all that mattered and then I remember my first day on the court like with the team and knowing I was going to double fault before I even got Before i even served and i double fault and this is someone i never double faulted and my partner looked at me i was kind of like you good and in my head i'm like now everyone's realizing it i have really painful memory of like my brother who went to wisconsin coming to watch and hearing him in the crowd i double faulted like three times and him just hearing like come on hannah because like he's watched me my whole life and was like very confused by what was happening i was like i'm fucking disappointing him and then it got so bad that i was just started hitting underhand serves as my second serve which i was like being a top player in the nation, that's insane. But I was like winning a lot. I was still winning through this fight. It was like, cause <laughs> it was just crazy. And I, I had a lot of self hate throughout. That's the thing
0: about elite level players in college. We'll talk there cause that's our experience. I have seen people who are not well, but they are still the best and they still show up and play on national level. Like people ask me that all the time. They're like, Oh, you were so depressed and anxious, but you started all four years. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't know, I just found a way like tooth and nail to perform
1: because your coach would take you out if you were fucking losing when like realistically, I needed to be taken out and I needed to get treatment for my head. But you just like keep grinding. Did you end up seeking help or meeting a therapist? So we ended up having, like, kind of a sports therapist that, like, I worked with a little, but it was just so constant, like, well, we have a match in two days, so we needed to get together. What actually happened, and also, this is, like, what, like I would lose my backhand randomly. I've always had issues with my forehand. I've just named three of the main strokes of tennis. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I was just a very scrappy, they always say, like, Hannah knows how to win ugly, but, like me on the practice court was like pristine just like the most beautiful strokes best movement amazing and like it got embarrassing where like my teammates would be like why can't you play how you play in practice and i would just be like bitch i don't fucking know (laughs) and it became this all-consuming thing where i just was like one day if i could play normal i could be so great and like you just get lost in that anxiety because all my anxiety of my life I think I put into tennis not to like get too back in my life but I was a kid of 9-11 in New York City and I know that I started playing tennis the year that the planes hit and I feel like my world was kind of like falling apart like I had friends whose parents died and like everyone's just crying and the city just smells of death and sorry that's super dark but I started playing tennis and that was what was bringing me joy and that's like what I could control. Yeah. And like from 11 years old on, like tennis was just everything. I think I felt like if it's just tennis and I could just win, then everyone's happy. My parents are happy. My coaches are happy. I'm happy. And I just put so much on the result of the game that I like lost touch of the journey and I couldn't actually compete and have fun. Oh my God. I have like chills
0: up my whole <laughs> body right now. At that analysis too. Like realizing what you were seeking through the active sport and so many athletes start at a young age for these yeah. greater reasons or dreams and the joy of their parents or whatever it is and you grow up and slowly like it's like that meme of that person it's like the more books you read you see over the wall until like kind of the disaster that the world is and you realize yeah. that there's suffering everywhere and it's really tough to swallow once you get to that age and you realize like the happy ending doesn't happen for everyone. And also just that
1: like the happiness is the journey of it. And I feel like I, if I were to look back at like young Hannah, I put so much pressure on myself in like twelve and unders to like be top five in the East and like 14 and unders to be t- and like you see all these girls who like didn't blossom until they were 18 and they were just like getting better, <laughs> where like everything was about winning. I had to win every point. And that was like how you talk about like external things. Like that was my external validation, like as long as I can win. But then when you didn't win, you had nothing. And that second serve was so much heavier than just a second serve that second serve was like making sure my parents were proud of me and my and I was good enough for my coaches and like I just got so wound up in it that I literally couldn't enjoy competition but I like hit all my goals I played top in the nation I was ranked internationally I played some professional tournaments but then like <laughs> and after tennis when I decided to quit because I was like who am I doing this well for? wait oh, sorry. I want to yeah I want to get this <laughs> this is the
0: moment that I think people want to understand is like here's this girl who has been this top player her entire life you have so many reasons you're doing it for you have aspirations of playing professionally what was it that changed to leading you to a different
1: path so I do have to credit the University of Wisconsin because it took me four and a half years to graduate in your last semester to finish your credits you have to kind of work for the university to kind of give back I decided to work in communications, where I did some sports broadcasting. And it's funny because, like, part of me was very depressed because I'm watching these other athletes, and in my head, I'm just like, "Oh, I wish I was like, I wish I was out there again." And like, who am I now? Why? Because just, you graduated. Like, Has been. Yeah, like, I, well, I was still in school, but I was done with my tennis career, and I like couldn't even like talk to the tennis girls. Like, I just was the whole thing was just not feeling good. Like, you just feel like you lost. It was the worst breakup of my life. It's an identity crisis. It's an identity crisis. And like this is the one relationship I've had for my whole life that I don't have anymore. And I'm watching these other people like compete. But I like started to like I go to a women's basketball game and I'd write like a summary and I do a little report and I learned how to edit videos. And like multiple people were like, we really like love your videos. And I was like, oh, it's fun. Like, I loved making videos when I was little. But I was like, well, that's the gr- The garage band iMovie videos of, like, yeah, music the videos. queen of iMovie. The fucking queen of iMovie. But it was such a goofy, stupid thing. It was never, like, my tennis. That was so regal and incredible and, like, in newspapers. But then after I graduated, I was like, I'm miserable. And I looked at my parents. And I remember being like, I know, like, this was all to go pro. But, like. Going pro in tennis is different than like going pro in baseball or basketball where like they have people paying for all their travel. Like tennis you only get paid when you win. Like imagine if like the Knicks only got paid when they won. Um, <laughs> you get injured, you have to pay for it. You break your strings, you have to pay for it. And I kind of like I don't like come from that much money and I just was like I don't want to lose 100 grand over the next 3 years. And even if you get to like 500 in the world, you're still not making money until you're like 100 in the world. And I just like did the math and I was just kind of like who am I doing this for? Cause like, I'm pretty sure I've won most things and I was miserable at it. But part of my, myself just wanted to overcome my performance anxiety. Like that was the only reason I was playing. But when you're so obsessed with the performance anxiety, it's like, you can't get away from it. You guys,
0: I am so excited about this sponsor because you know how much I love therapy. Whether you've always dealt with mental health issues or have just recently started to experience some struggles due to the pandemic and everything going on, or if you just want to talk to someone, right, because we all need a good vent sesh, why not have it with a professional at Talkspace? Talkspace is an online therapy service that lets you send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform 24 seven. With Talkspace, you set goals with your therapist and they hold you accountable and make sure you're really progressing. Therapy can really help you shift your perspective find tools to cope in difficult times, and really be a guiding light. It was truly all of those things for me. Talkspace is a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. And instead of waiting for an appointment, you can engage with your therapist five days a week. As a listener of RealPod, I am so excited to tell you that you will get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. Make sure you use code REALPOD to get $100 off your first month. Head to Talkspace.com and use code REALPOD to match with a licensed therapist today. So, did you finally realize that you didn't even enjoy playing tennis anymore? <laughs> this goes back to like our initial point is someone works so hard to achieve their dream situation, whether it's yeah. sports or it's a job or it's something, and then you
1: are there, and you're like, "Wait. Yeah, I knocked off all of the like check marks of like being successful in tennis. And I really had to listen to my own voice because as an athlete, your whole life, you're listening to what coaches want, what your parents want, what other people want. And when they ask, are you sore? Are you tired? You just say no. So like, I really didn't know ever what I wanted ever. So I really had to like, be like, who are you? Where are you? Where's that like little girl who knows like what actually brings her joy? And I basically told my parents, like, I'm done. And they kind of like were relieved. They were like, we're done with this like crazy ride we've been on. Like, if you don't like it. They're
0: like, we've they're- been ready. It's like when a gay yeah. kid comes out to their parents and they're like, We knew. They <laughs> like, yeah,
1: we know you seem fucking miserable. So and but it's funny because a lot of people hate tennis. A lot of tennis players hate tennis. Everyone watches read the Andre advocacy book like most people it's like a very abusive relationship with the game but I was always the one that was like I fucking love tennis but I was like kind of lying to myself even though like to this day I do love the sport I have it on right now I'm watching Australian Open <laughs> took took a while to get there but here we are because I'd like watch my friends on it and be like why can't I be there but um that's not my personality like my personality is not me alone in a random hotel room about to like play whatever 100th match of the season to do the same bullshit and then go back in your hotel room and you're only as good as your last match like i had to really like unwind what my dream was but then i'm like sitting in bed and i just like start crying cuz i'm just like why did i put my heart and soul into this for so long i never solved the puzzle like i never figured it out i never was able to go in the court and play free did i have moments yeah but i was i just like would cry but then discovering my new career I went into sales I was doing cold calling which is like pretty much the same thing as they were like you're gonna be rejected a lot and I'm like in a tennis match I win six four six four I lose 70 80 percent of the points like I can deal with rejection and I was just like crushing the phones but I was (laughs) obviously it sucks like I was miserable but I was making a lot of money right out of college and again I'm like sitting in the bathroom miserable and I go you did it again bitch you did it again you're good at something and it's what your dad wanted you to do And you fucking hate it. So I quit and I got into marketing. I was doing T-shirt marketing at like 24. And turns out I thought it would be more creative. It wasn't. It was super boring and I hated it. And that's when I saw I was literally in Vegas doing like a trunk show, some boring shit. And I saw one of my old videos doing like a basketball game at the University of Wisconsin. I was like, I want to do video. And I literally just manifested the word video. I was like, I want to do video. I'm not going to lie. In two years, I was on a national TV show. Girl, you have just been spitting straight. You were letting talk. me go. Like, and I, I like, have been sitting here. here
0: so so. going. <laughs>
1: I was letting you go because I was
0: not about to interrupt the magic that was happening. And I was honestly daydreaming off into like, how, what am I going to name this? Like athlete identity crisis, like the experience. Like this is just gold. Like,
1: I'm sorry. I'm giving you all the realest shit. Like I almost started to cry. Just then? Yeah. Cause I know that shit's so real. You can cry on this show. I don't know how many people have dealt with like the intense performance anxiety. Cause mine really manifested bad in the sport. And the biggest thing too, that just hit me was
0: when you said, I just want to play free and like playing free, like, God, it's like you, you grow up playing your sport and you're so good at it. And it brings you so much joy. And like, I remember when I was so anxious, uh, one of my mentors said go to a local high school gym and watch the young girls play and just try to remember like how you used to approach the game and then go to practice later that day. And like, I just like cried. I just couldn't even, I felt yeah. so far like there's a moment I think in our careers where we go from like ignorance
1: to mm-hmm. just paralyzing Hyper awareness. awareness. Yep. yep. Hyper awareness. It's crazy because all of the things that I'm, I sound really sad like I live this miserable tennis life. Well, we're and we're going to get to the PTSD. we're going to get to the glow
0: up. Like it's yeah. a slow build people. We have 20 oh minutes God, left. We're going to get there. to the glow up.
1: <laughs> but like I learned so much. Like I pushed myself so hard in so many ways and ways that like I'm so proud of and I really came to terms with like first of all I was like I have to forgive myself. But then I even went further to be like, actually, what am I forgiving myself for? Like I was a victim of like a lot of forms of abuse that caused me to like think a type of way about myself in combination with my already had anxiety. And, but I just would not stop beating myself up for it. And then you're also everyday fighting with someone across the court who wants to beat you. And it was just this war that I didn't wanna be part of anymore. But then you realize like, wait, you're just yourself. Like, you're an anxious, overthinking person, and that's okay. (laughs)
0: This will put it in perspective. This line from my therapist once just, like, made just such a difference. You are not anxious. So, like, you, Hannah, you are not anxiety. You are a human being who's experiencing a universal emotion of anxiousness that millions of people experience every single day. It's an experience. It's not who you are.
1: Yeah, and it was hard taking that situationally and putting it under the high high pressure of athletics and like I really love that I'm now the opportunity to kind of speak on it because like not a lot of girls were serving underhand their second serve (laughs) and I would just be like why can't I have what like I would see like the bottom player in high school hitting second serves and I'd be like why can't I just hit that level of a second serve right so you start to just think you're crazy and and I don't totally understand the terms
0: of like these different serves and whatnot in the spin. But in volleyball, I can think of definitely people in the USC program, some that I played with that had similar experiences where they had to take a step down on like a certain attack or, or serve or whatnot, because they had too really gotten in their own heads. And I had like a week, I wouldn't even compare it to yours. And I'm not even going to try, but I definitely had a week where like, I was so in my head about passing that I just felt like I couldn't pass. But I would not call it yips, it just goes to show how important our mental health is and like our mind that it can have such an impact on you that physically you cannot bring yourself to do something you want to do because the anxiety yep. and the thoughts are so
1: overpowering, yes, a hundred percent, and do I sometimes get upset that like if i if i I wish I did it again and like took care of my brain better, but it's like you really can't think like that. You can only think of like hopefully now I could just like help people in the future who are going through what I went through, and I really think that if it hadn't happened to me, I'd be playing on the pro tour right now. And I wouldn't be doing all the stuff I actually wanted to do. Crazy.
0: And I want to get into that stuff that you wanted to do. We talk about that manifestation. Two years later, you're on national television. So I know you ended up working at Betches, right? You got like an interim job there, started writing, creating memes, were just super talented. People caught on fast. And then the opportunity for Summer House and you joining came along. And what was that decision like? Because reality TV, that is a whole, people will say like, they'll make jokes. Like if you go on reality TV, like that affects everything you can can or cannot do for the rest of your life.
1: There is definitely negativity around reality TV, definitely less than like Jersey Shore times and Bravo's considered like a little higher brow. But um, <laughs> it's funny for Betches, everything comes together. Like I actually started doing some like fitness sports Photo shoots I basically like wanted to get motivated to work out again and realize like I'm sick of seeing like actual models doing like a boxing video or like a tennis shoot. And I'm like, whatever happened to showing girls with like actual athleticism, like actual muscles, wearing like the sports gear or like advertising the golf club? And I like happened to like play a lot of sports, so I was like, I want to be a sports model. So I ended up getting this gig for Adidas. Where they were like, okay, three hundred people in line at this, and like I was feeling like shit. I I actually just did a basketball casting where this girl shows up. She's like six foot two. I'm five seven, and they're like play one on one, and like we're gonna just film you guys. She literally blocked ten of my shots. Feeling like shit. Then walking downtown in New York City, passing the U.S. Open, there was. Uh, like a barricade. hotel where the players were going in and they had the bus coming back from practice in Queens and I'm seeing all the girls who are about to play the U.S. Open I go so I could have been there but instead I'm getting my ass kicked getting my shot blocked <laughs> and rejected at these stupid sports castings like I'm a fucking loser so I go downtown to this tennis shoot and there's like 300 people waiting in line And I'm like I'm this is just a side like, note but I, I love really you so much continue <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you (laughs) so i'm in line i remember talking to this girl who ended up being a long-term friend of mine and we're just in line shooting the shit and she looks at me and she was like you're gonna get it and i was like okay calm down like uh, things don't go well for me normally (laughs) i get there and i guess and they just have me like show my strokes and do my serve and it was like for sneakers they were like looking at my footwork and we walk out and she was like take my number like whatever I wanna make some more friends. I'm like, me too. I get a call the next day that I booked the Adidas gig and I start sobbing in the middle of like midtown, but New York, that's totally normal because like you can do whatever you want in New York, no <laughs> one cares. And I'm sobbing. I'm like, finally, like, something good happened. But like, what really happened from it is I ended up meeting this guy, Jordan Veroy, who ended up telling me that I was manifesting in the trailer waiting for it, saying, I want to do video. He ends up remembering, started working for Betches. Six months later, LinkedIn messaged me and said, hey, I heard you were interested in video. Betches is looking for a video producer. So like things literally just connected based on just like never stopping throwing myself into uncomfortable situations, not even knowing what I really wanted, but like just whenever things felt weird, going to the next thing. If it felt bad and off, listening to my intuition. Turns out that girl I met, I end up introducing her to my roommate and now they're getting married. But this is just how like, Oh, things my can change in a, mo- a second in your life. Like meeting someone, a different opportunity. Like you can never get too low and feel like helpless. I want to ask you about that
0: specifically because I think that you can just riff on this and it's super important because there's a decision. And I debate this with my boyfriend, Max, all the time because like we are similar people, but I kind of fell into like this dark hole of depression and he didn't. And he mm-hmm. has this, And I can't even do it just here, here, but basically he thinks that, you know, you do have a choice when you're kind of falling to a low place. If you can have the awareness to get out of bed and go to the casting call and make the decisions, like you can keep chugging along. So for people listening who are like relating to everything you are saying, like they are losing their identity, their sports canceled. I mean, a lot of people with COVID, how did you like pick your head up from seeing the people living your dream? on this dirty street in New York that you just came from this thing and got your butt kicked. Like what kept you going and what would you say to people who like
1: need that push? I think it's because like I knew there was something else out there for me. I just didn't know what it was. And you know that just sitting around feeling sad for yourself is not going to get you there. Chase any dream. Like even if you're sitting there and you're like, The only way I'll be happy is to be a movie star. First, think of like why you want to be it if you actually want to be it. And then just start doing even the littlest things to get there, like the tiniest things. Which leads to this guy, Jordan, who I met in the trailer, messages me and said, Betches is looking for a video producer with five years experience. And I was like, yeah, I don't have five years experience. And he's like, just send me videos. So I just started sending these funny videos because I always would make my friends laugh. Like I'm a professional at making my friends laugh in the group chat. (laughs) But that was my extent of comedy. They end up liking the videos. And they go, come for an interview. And I know I have literally no resume, but I did start interning for free at 26 at the scout.com where I basically was like a video assistant, which was me just like finding like data. Can we acknowledge that 26, you're working for free because you're
0: chasing passion and fulfillment. And that is so important. And there's people listening who are graduating
1: at 22. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I need to have the and perfect feeling job behind. You guys, my friends were like whispering, like Hannah's like, Interning somewhere. (laughs) It's not good. Like, I hope she's okay. Like, people were no one was bragging about being friends with me. Let's just say that. I was getting paid nothing, zero. But I knew that I needed to put in that time because like I saw the big picture. Other people didn't. So I was able to be like, I'm I'm a video assistant here, even though I wasn't doing shit. I they literally didn't even let me near a camera. (laughs) And then I said, and I have all these funny ideas. And I was just listing it to them. And they were like, look, those are great ideas you have no experience. We're going to pay you $300 a week. And I was like, done living with my parents done. And the second I got that job, I just felt like I'm back like a horse that found their lane. Like now I can fucking go. And it wasn't easy because like I didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of teaching myself as I was going and they didn't realize it. But I was like at night going online for Adobe Premiere Pro editing, like to refresh myself and looking and just making funny videos. But I was doing like graphic stuff. And finally, they were like, Can you do like SNL type videos? And I was like, um, I didn't even have a, I had my mom filming it. Finally, like we hired a video guy. And then my first video was like when a guy FaceTimes you. And it was me answering with headphones on and then being like, Hold on one sec, I have to find my headphones. And I was in pajamas. And then I like quickly put on all this stuff, got a ring light, and then said, What's up? Yeah. Post it, goes viral a million thousand five hundred views and they were like can you do this three times a week and I just said yeah and I had no idea if I could but I just said yeah next thing you know I'm like meeting people in the comedy community trying to get people in the videos co-writing and next thing you know like I was just like that was my dream like I was in love with it then from just meeting people summerhouse was like looking for new people on the show and they always want to be connected like authentically with friends and a friend of a friend knew me i actually interviewed summerhouse people on betches like because i started doing interviews and my name was brought up as just like a personality and i remember getting a call and i was like mom i think i might do a reality show like it's in the hamptons and it could show my job during the week like i could start burning in hell which is my podcast i actually started it before summerhouse and i was like because that's really what i want to do is talk to people about mental health and add comedy and it could help promote that. And you see me start burning in hell in the first season. And then I got fired from batches, which was my dream job. Fired because you joined reality TV and started doing other projects? Well, it was It was never clearly said, but um, I was working. You my stopped ass getting off to, tasks
0: to do and the paycheck stuff.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, it, there was like a, sometimes in the office, like people definitely weren't happy that I was on the show. It w- got to be like not people weren't feeling good about me and I was just working my butt off there and I loved the job so much and people were like basically trying to get me fired and I did and I realize now that it's sometimes you kind of outgrow a place and you don't know it but other people do people did some fucked up shit to me but at the time I was like so sad and then that's when like I have no income plus summer house and then I just started fucking creating I was like wait so all this stuff I was doing for them I could just do for myself and Summerhouse enabled me to have the platform to, like, create my own videos, start working with brands, because I was the head of, like, brand collaboration. A brand would want to do something with betches, and I would pitch it and do it, and I just started doing it for myself. And then I'm, like, writing tweets, and my tweets started to get picked up by people. And then I got reached out to by Caroline's. They're a big comedy club in New York City, and they said, hey, can you do a live podcast show? And my friend was like, do it, and I dare you to do 10 minutes of stand-up in the beginning. And I was like fine so I took like my favorite tweets like about like guys food cats like body image and like wrote out a set and I did the show and afterwards everyone was like the stand-up was the best part and then I wrote like a 45-minute set and I like started touring and then COVID hit (laughs) (laughs) but that's pretty much in a nutshell like combined That is what I did. Such a
0: whirlwind of a story. It's so inspiring. And I I think that many people, there are thousands and thousands of athletes who don't go pro. Like it just, the numbers aren't there for it. I think it's less than 1% go pro. So the other 99 or whatever it is, like they struggle to find something else and it's going to take time. But I think your story just goes to show that it's so possible and it's completely out of the box from what Anyone would have said if they looked at you when you were.
1: But literally the reason why I was like the one girl on the team who like couldn't hit a second serve was because I was so fucking full of all these emotions. And now I let them all out in this like really super creative way about like depression, anxiety. I put it all in my comedy and I let it out on reality TV and I'm not afraid to talk about like anxiety and depression. But I also think there's so many athletes that are so fucking creative that have just not put energy towards it. And I want to I'm a very anti like experience like you know oh you don't have enough experience there's been studies shown that like doctors who have 40 years experience won't perform as well as like a new doctor just simply because like the new doctor is more excited or just like better and the older one doesn't care as much like who gives a fuck i used to be like oh, i want to get into fashion but girls have been doing it since they were 15. no one cares if you're special you're special and you're gonna put your own unique spin on it and i think athletes have so many skills that they've learned that make anything they do great like I was speaking to another former tennis player who was injured and she was worried she had to quit and I was like you want NCAAs bitch like you are so special that specialness like gets put in other places too like you're not just a tennis player like the reasons you are really good at tennis are going to be the same in other skill sets so like You really have to understand that. Yes. A thousand percent. The skills that make us incredible athletes don't leave
0: us when we're not on the team anymore. And for some reason, it's like hard to grasp that concept. And also, if you're asking yourself and like here, it's super cheesy, but like, why me? Well, why not you? Like, why couldn't it be you? And we were just talking about Hannah, on your podcast, how there is room for everyone at the top. Like just because yes. one person has a podcast or one person makes it here, or one person does this doesn't mean that you can't do it and you can't do it in your own also way. Also, when my
1: friend does well, I'm literally like, oh, so it can be done. When I see people do really cool shit, I'm always like, Thank you for building the bridge. Yeah, thanks like for now. the idea.
0: Like, yeah,
1: <laughs> but it's true. Like I hate five-year plans because I feel like they're very limiting. Because I could never Same. have told you that I would be sitting here. No plan. I think they're so limiting. You have to literally just like manifest what's bringing you joy and happiness, and then just like spew it everywhere and be proud of it. I really think people are like, how do you get your sense of humor or whatever? I think a lot of people will see something and try to just copy what other people did and like follow their path. When it's like, you just have to be super authentic to like what you actually find funny. Like, I think people see my tweets and they can hear my voice. That's because it's really, really how I feel. So it's like, find your uniqueness. You've mentioned manifesting a few times. I want to like, give
0: me the manifesting for dummies. I don't manifest. I need to manifest. I just feel like- Well, it's
1: funny. I'm not, I've never, like, read about manifesting. Like, I've heard of it. I joke with my friends, like, manifest that shit. Um, but my form of manifestation, I basically was, like, I, w- I was so um, cerebral and always existential in my head when I was, like, in my early 20s because I just, like, didn't understand life. Like, I really didn't. And I remember thinking, like, how come Rihanna wanted to be a singer and became a singer? But so many people who want to become singers don't. And I realized, like, you just have to, like, really believe it and you have to believe it to the point that like you're not doubting yourself like i don't think i actually believed that i was going to be a tennis player like deep down something was like Are you sure? ooh ooh that like, I don't hits. Think I like deep down believed it you didn't buy into that interesting we're like cuz i actually when you think about it my mom's like it's so anti you, like having a coach telling you what to do all the time, having to play in in the lines, having to the rules. Like I was considered a very creative player and it's cause I was like fighting the the parts of the game that I hated. I just think with manifestation, it's like decide you wanna do something and fucking tell people. Like that whole like, oh, keep it a secret. No, 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 like tell people, talk about it, make it a reality. Some people like to write things down, but it's like, make it so it's not this big, scary thing and it's just what's gonna happen to you. I freaking love that. Cause it's like a secret. You know what, if you keep a secret inside, it becomes this like big, haunting, scary thing. But when you talk to someone about it, it just like becomes real. I literally said, I want to do video. I started talking to everyone about it. And the next thing you know, like people have an opportunity or people have advice and it's like, just make it. It's real. Once you talk about it.
0: Also the abundance mindset, just believing that you have everything you need in front of you, because when we think we need more and more, like I can't do it until I have the most expensive microphones. I can't do it until I have a team of people. It's like, no, you can do it now. And I think both of us who've like built brands, like built them
1: on, on phones when I say I'm going to try something, I do it. Like, most you know, people talk about something forever and never do it. If I'm going to fail, I fail fast. I've done things. Right. It doesn't work. Done. Move on. Fail and fail fast. And I'm so not scared of messing up because it's just like you learn from it all the time. Like I tried my merch line for the first time and it did really well. But like the system was fucked and I was doing all those things. But I'm so happy I customer did it. Service, yeah, like, customer everyone service. Everyone wants it to come immediately. Oh You're like, when did you order it? They're like an
0: hour ago. I'm like,
1: <laughs> I had the same problem <laughs> and then like UPS loses it and then it's, you have to like go out in the snow and find it. It's just like what the fuck is happening? <laughs> so but the point is, is like I'd rather be in the fire than like just watching other people do their thing. Yeah. No, I love that. So and I fail totally fast. Agree. fail Like my, the way I got here was just like lots of failing. Like I literally got here by failing at tennis. <laughs> so where do you think your current state of mental health is? Oh, my God. Good question. So Summer House is airing. So it's always tough because you like experience this crazy journey of like intense emotions and not only do you have to relive it and you like get mad again about something. You're like, wait a second. I forgot he said that to me, that motherfucker. But then you have (laughs) to, you see people's reactions to it based on what they see. So they'll be like, Hannah's done the wrong. Like, oh my God, I can't stand her shit. So you're like, have that on top of it. But I'm doing this thing where I actually don't look at social media of course, you accidentally think a comment's good and then it turns out to be bad. And I thought I was like, <laughs> just like really mentally strong could handle it. But I just realized like, no one can handle that level of hate and you just stay away from it. I realized there are times where I put too much on my plate and I feel not creative and I feel burnt out. And then I know I need like two or three days just doing nothing, like literally nothing, like sad nothing. And then I recently started volunteering at this animal shelter in southampton and i'm okay, i'm not mrs like okay like I, i've just been like doing good things all the time like i was i'm so i'm a tennis player like i'm obsessed with myself and like how good could i be but when you go back <laughs> i like to think what were you like as a little kid i loved two things i loved being goofy and laughing and i loved animals like i literally loved them more than anything <laughs> i wanted to be a vet but then i realized that animals die and you'd see them die and i was like no yeah, that's the the kicker. So once a week I've been volunteering and it's this moment where like I'm away from my phone. I'm looking at these animals who just a lot of them are, just were rescued and you want to help them find a home. And I've just like gotten out of my head a little bit. So it's like when you feel like you are too in your own head and you're so sick of your own thoughts, take a fucking break. Because if you don't, next thing you know, you're like, making bad decisions and in a bad, bad mental state. So for me, it's like I have the waves and I ride the waves and I've kind of known how to manage my anxiety. Would you say the key to the volunteering being
0: your happy place is the connection? The connection is key.
1: You can get in such a spiral in your own head where like Mm -hmm. I, I learned that what really helped me with my anxiety is learning that the voice in your head is not you. It's like, you know, coaches or like mean bullies growing up. It's your conditioned mind. Exactly. You are the person who hears the thoughts. Game changing. Game changing. Because I literally thought like if I don't listen to these whispers, I'm fucked. Like they're telling me what's true. And then you realize, (laughs) oh, they're fucking shady C words. I didn't want to throw that on your audience too fast. And like you just like (laughs) once you learn they're not your friend, then you're just like, shut up. Like and occasionally something will stick a little too long. And then I have to like think out of it because I'm not that good at being like just ignore that but I'll like think it through and be like okay this is your anxiety thinking this because this happened to you before you get through it but going to the shelter whatever spiral I was in about like this person thinks this about me and if and that might happen in the future and that'll be really bad for me I walk in we're just trying to keep these animals alive these people don't give a shit about whatever bullshit that I'm worried about and in that moment you're just like this cat needs me And it really is great to get out of your head. I mean, that's the hardest thing about the pandemic. I used to like living in New York City, be all up in my bullshit. Then I'll walk outside and there's like a kid asking for change. How are you going to be stuck in your? I mean, obviously, like everyone has their own battles, but it's like you have to understand perspective Mm -hmm. and it's really unhealthy to be stuck in just your own head. Yeah, that's been the hardest part, I think, for everyone is like you are so
0: limited in your escape. Like you now more than ever have to look in the magnifying glass at your own problems and your own relationships and your own life because the pause button has been hit, especially living in a city like New York. It's, it's probably easier to forget the little things you're thinking about because everything is on to the next, on to the next.
1: Oh my God, Whereas yeah.
0: now it probably just feels like silence. It's like leaving a concert and you hear the ringing in your ear for the rest of the night.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that is it. But it's so funny. Like imagine working really hard in a TikTok video and the engagement is shit. Then you're like, fuck, are my future videos going to do bad? Oh no, what if I get no more brand deals? Oh no, what if I can't pay rent? Then you like walk in to do some volunteering and you're like, it doesn't matter right yeah it's the I don't it care matter. nothing matters. I don't care <laughs> nothing matters I don't care and that's okay and also knowing that like if I tried to plan where I am now I would have never done it mm. so just think of that like it's the joke like if you make plans God laughs in your face the only thing you could plan is what brings you joy and what brings you joy you'll be fucking good at probably better at it at things that you're naturally good at but don't like Hannah, thank you so much, babe. This was so fun. I oh love speaking with you. What a therapy session. I'll Venmo you after.
0: The people are going to love this, and I hope that sometime post social distancing, I don't know, we can do something else together because oh my god. I'd I would love to come
1: time. to LA and or you got you can come to the Hamptons and we'll pay you to play volleyball with us and give us lessons. Oh my god, I would love to <laughs> play volleyball with you guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're the coolest. Oh my God. You're the coolest. Thank you so much, honey. Thank you so much for listening to this episode
0: of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of Real Pod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or a review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.